hello, thank you for listening. I'm Georgia Berry and I started the Fight Back podcast to inspire and empower women to start martial arts because I think it's bloody good for your mental and physical well-being. If you're considering starting a martial art, I hope that this podcast will inspire you to take the leap. And if you already do martial arts, then you already know how great martial arts is and how much better your life is because of it. So I hope this podcast will empower you to reach out to someone in need and share the magic of martial arts with them. This podcast is going to come to you in a variety of formats. So sometimes I'm going to be breaking down published research. Sometimes I'll be sharing strategies that I use with my clients as an exercise scientist. Uh, Sometimes I'll be talking to experts when there's topics that I don't understand or pretty much whenever they'll sit down and chat to me. And sometimes I'll be interviewing special women in martial arts. They're not always going to be fighters, but they're all going to be women who have found that their life got significantly better when they brought martial arts into it. And they have some really, really cool stories. So I'm excited for you to hear those. I'm going to try and stick to one topic at a time, just to have a little bit of order about things. Uh, So we're going to start talking about martial arts and mental health, and then we're going to talk about exercise and mental health. Uh, Then I'm going to talk about some of the barriers that you might have to exercise and the strategies that I use to help people overcome them. Uh, And then we're going to talk about trauma, but there's going to be lots of overlap between the topics, I'm sure. Today's topic, starting um, starting off the combination of martial arts and mental health, is why does martial arts seem to make everyone so happy? I love this as a starting question because even though we're going to dig into disease and you know health is really seen as being the absence of disease, you know at least commonly and in common medicine. I'm really interested in how we can become, you know, thriving human beings, you know, not just having the absence of disease. Because for sure, martial arts has been shown to be quite useful in treating depression, anxiety and, you know, other negative mental states. But I think it's really fun to start with talking about why it is that martial arts makes everyone so happy. So as a framework for that conversation, I'm going to be using an article written by Adam Kroom. The article is called Embodying Martial Arts for Mental Health, Cultivating Psychological Wellbeing with Martial Arts Practice. And I'll put the article in the show notes so you can have a read if you're interested in learning more. But this is a review article. So Adam's done the legwork for me of already putting together a lot of the literature about why martial arts might make you happy. So I'm just going to summarise some of his points. I'm going to pull out some of the quotes from the article, some of which are from other authors, and you can find all those references in the article itself. And then I'm going to add in my own insights and my own opinions. So essentially, this article applies a framework called the PERMA model, model, martial arts, right? So the PERMA model was invented by a smart guy named Martin Seligman. He's one of the founders of positive psychology and it's an acronym. So P-E-R-M-A stands for positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and accomplishments. 
And essentially the theory is, is that if you have any of those elements going on in your life, you'll be happy. And the more you have, the happier that you are. So the first part of that, the P, is positive emotions, which just says that the more you incorporate positive emotions into your life, the better your well-being will be. And, you know, that sounds like kind of an obvious thing. You know, if you have more happy thoughts or not just happy thoughts, you know, things like being happy, excited, interested, enthusiastic, proud, experiencing pleasure and all those positive emotions, then you're going to have better well-being and improved psychological states. Contrast that if you have lots of negative thoughts, then you're going to have a worse psychological well-being. For me, I think this really draws on the concept that neurons that fire together, wire together. So what we know in, in science and in psychology now is that if you constantly have the same thoughts, you constantly fire the same neurons, which are the cells in your brain. And when you trigger the same set of cells all the time, then they start to automatically fire. And the way that I really imagine this, this is kind of a weird example, I guess, but if you think about trying to push a car through the snow, like really, really high snow, that being a thought, in order to have that thought, you have to dig out the snow and then the car can go down the road, let's say like when it gets to the end, that lands in a thought. And, you know, if it goes to the left, it's going to be a positive thought. If it goes to the right, let's say it's going to be a negative thought. And things that happen in your day and, you know, things that you focus your attention on help you constantly dig out the negative track. What's going to happen is you dig out the negative track, you go towards, you have a negative thought. Then car goes back to where it started. Because it snows, snows falling all the time in this example, that fills up again. If you keep digging that out, eventually the groove becomes deeper and deeper and it becomes easier and easier to get the snow out of the groove. And then that pathway becomes almost ingrained and the car, you know, there doesn't even need to be dug out. The car is just automatically going to keep falling down into negative thoughts. So that's the way that I kind of imagine it, if that helps anyone. But essentially, if you always have good thoughts, good thoughts will happen automatically. If you always have negative thoughts, negative thoughts are going to start to happen automatically. How does that fit in with martial arts then? So some of the studies referenced uh, by Adam, are there was one that looked at 20 Taekwondo participants and they found that people doing Taekwondo had less tension, depression, anger, fatigue and confusion and they had significantly more vigour. They were real, real little go-getters. And then when we looked at another study looking at people doing judo and karate, this was a much bigger study, uh, then they found that people doing martial arts has significantly lower anger scores and significantly higher anger management compared to non-athletes. Then if we leave the land of general population and we look at people with clinical depression, there was a study that found that during martial arts, there was a significant increase in positive effects, a reduction in negative effects, less anxiety and more self-efficacy. So they felt more good things. They felt less bad things. They had less anxiety and they felt more confident from doing martial arts. 
you know, I can very easily relate to um, all of that. I think there are many times when I feel positive emotions because of martial arts. You know, like when I hit pads, then I'm much less angry if I can take out my emotions on something instead of my housemates. Uh, you know, when I have training scheduled, then I feel excited that I'm going to be going to training that day or that week. During training, I feel happy most of the time. And after training, I feel really proud. You know, sometimes I'm just proud that I got there. If I had a tough day and I didn't really want to go, well, you know, if it is a day that I want to go, then those tend to be the days that I feel like I get better at some technique or learn some new technique and God, that makes me definitely feel proud. So I feel all those positive emotions. And because I'm regularly training, then I'm regularly feeling those positive emotions. And then since those are the neurons that are firing all the time, um, you know, moving less angry, being excited, happy and proud, then I start to become an excited and happy and proud person, which is awesome. Then the next part is engagement. So... Seligman said that, this is a quote, the engaged life is about flow, being one with the music, time stopping, and the loss of self-consciousness during an absorbing activity. So there's lots of chat about, you know, how to get into flow state, and if you're in flow state, then that's what makes you happy. And so that's one element of what they spoke about in this article. So flow is a state of optimal experiences state of optimal experience that people report when they are intensely involved in doing something that is fun to do. It's a state of mind characterized by focus, concentration and elevated enjoyment during intrinsically interesting activities, activities that you find interesting to you. Um, flow state occurs under conditions of perceived challenges or opportunities for action that stretch neither overmatching or underutilizing existing skills, a sense that one is engaging challenges at a level appropriate to one's capacity. So what all that means is to get into flow state, you've got to find something that's not too easy or you're going to be bored, but not too challenging or you're going to be frustrated and just like, well, this is unachievable. You'll know that you're in flow state when you lose your sense of time. So you might have experienced when you're working towards a deadline or you're doing something that you love, maybe you play an instrument or in some kind of a sport, some kind of skilled activity where you've been doing it for a while. You just have no idea how much time passed. It could have been five minutes. It could have been two hours. There's just no part of you that's thinking how much time is there left because you're so absorbed in the activity. And the experience of the activity is as intrinsically rewarding such that the end goal is just an excuse for the process. So if we can think about that like doing martial arts, you know, we're not just looking at the whether you won or lost, say, for example, in in class or something when we're sparring it's not about winning or losing nobody wins in sparring we're just trying to learn but that process can be so enjoyable because you really lose yourself you have to be 100% focused otherwise your training partner's you know going to hit you back and and you know so you don't really care about the outcome you know you're trying to win and the fact that you're trying to win makes it more enjoyable but it's actually the process itself that's so amazing
So spending time in flow state is now being recognised as improving physical and mental health. So, for example, spending time in flow is associated with improved heart function. It's really fascinating to think about what might be happening to different areas of the brain during flow. Um, and what we think happens is that you activate both your old reptilian brain and your new neocortex at the same time. So I'll try and explain why that's so cool. So the old reptilian brain is what's responsible for looking after you, for keeping you alive. In, you know, it has capacity for emotions, but it doesn't have capacity for language and rational thought. So anything that you do that's quite automatic, that happens in there. So think everything from breathing to if you touch something hot, pulling your hand away to the kind of emotions that you automatically have and that you learn as a child, how to interact with your social connections. These are all things that you don't have to directly think about. You don't, you don't have to pay attention to them. Your brain just does it automatically for you. And, and thank God, because otherwise we'd be so overwhelmed. Your new neocortex, on the other hand, does all your critical thinking. It's the part that's like, oh, if we do this, then this might happen. You know, it can do reasoning and it can think all of that in a language that you can order, you know, put a pin in some thought and come back to it later. That all happens in the new neocortex. And in flow, both of those areas are online at the same time, which means that, you know, you are suppressing the annoying analytical part of your brain, but you're still using the neocortex to perform super complex tasks, which just feels amazing is, is the theory behind it. So it's like a combination of explicit logic, based knowledge and implicit skill-based knowledge and when those two cross over it's like all of the good parts of one part of the brain you know all of the just good part of feeling emotion and being overwhelmed by it and just letting things happen mixed with all of the cool things that your thinking brain can do without it overthinking which you know everybody's definitely guilty of so it's for me when I try and explain what is flow state it's like being able to do things that are advanced that, you know, only humans can do, but not overthinking it like a human normally would do so that you're just right in that place of just feeling bloody awesome. And there's lots of evidence that suggests that when you do martial arts, you get into flow state. So there was one study that found that people participating in martial arts show changes in the part of the brain which is implicated in motor learning and planning, including higher grain matter volumes in the supplementary motor areas in the premotor cortex. So those people were starting to store movement patterns that they would then be able to use into a flow state. So you have to have some kind of stored automatic complex movement pattern to be entering into flow. Some traditional martial artists have commented on martial arts. So this is a, um, a quote from, man, I'm never going to be able to pronounce this name, but it's Sikskaminalhai. And you know what? Go back and read the article and see if you can do better than me. Um, anyway, he said, instead of focusing exclusively on physical performance, as Western martial arts do, 
the Eastern variety is directed towards improving the mental and spiritual state of the practitioner. The warrior strives to reach the point where he can act with lightning speed against opponents without having to explicitly think or reason about the best defensive or offensive moves to make. Those who can perform it well claim that fighting becomes a joyous artistic performance during which the everyday experience of duality between mind and body is transformed into a harmonious one-pointedness of mind. Here again, it seems appropriate to think of the martial arts as a specific form of flow. So I can think of times where I've been in flow state during martial arts, like hitting pads, um, particularly during free-flowing pads, when I'm constantly responding to a new combination each time as directed by my training partner. You know, I don't have time to be thinking about some fight that I had with my partner before or, you know, what time I'm going to have dinner or, you know, any other things. I just have to focus 100% on what I'm doing, you know, because it requires my full attention to be able to do so. It's the same thing in sparring. You know, like I just said, when you're sparring, if you're not paying 100% attention, your training partner might just give you a little slap on the side of the head. Um, you know, so there's plenty of examples of flow state in martial arts. Uh, another example more specific to jiu-jitsu is the concept of flow rolling. You know, it literally has the word flow in it. So you're flow rolling your you're not having any attachment to anything that's happening. You're just letting combinations combinations of attacks flow through you and paying attention to what the other person's doing so that they can also be in a flow state. And just the more time you can spend like that, I promise, you're going to be so much happier. And obviously the literature agrees. Okay, so we've gone P, E. Now we're going R. So R for relationships. So... There's a quote from Cooper that says, We value and are right to value friendship so highly because it is only in and through intimate friendship that we can come to know ourselves and to regard our lives constantly as worth living. You know, there's studies cited in this review and, and elsewhere that have looked at if you have positive relationships in your life and attachments, that's critical to being healthy and similarly if you don't have good relationships and you know attachments so as kids we need to attach on to role models like our parents and our teachers and and our friends um, and a lack of having that is linked to so many uh, ill effects on health adjustment and well-being so we know that if we have lots of relationships and healthy relationships in our lives you know, humans are social beings and we're going to be healthy and have good well-being and how does martial arts then fit into that so there was a study that investigated the factors motivating participants to engage in martial arts and they found that the four most important motivations were affiliation fitness skill development and friendship so pretty much half the reason was for the people that you're doing it with, you know, affiliation, people that you're affiliated with and, you know, how you're perceived in your community and then friendship. In another study, investigating the influence of martial arts for couples and families that have been practising martial arts for at least four months, 
uh, the authors reported that the couples and families consistently reported that martial arts study facilitates marital and family development. So if you train together, you go and stay together. Um, I mean, I, I would imagine that because I train with my partner, so I know, and I grew up training with my mom, so I know, you, you know, you've got to work through some, some tough times when you're training martial arts sometimes, and doing that with someone that you love just really builds a stronger relationship, honestly, or it'll break the relationship, and then good riddance. Um, you know, I really think there's something so special about the friendships that you build in martial arts. You know, I've said that being able to move to a new city and then just join a martial arts gym and having a community, you know, that in of itself is awesome, the fact that it's just so easy. But I really believe that that you the relationship you build in martial arts with people isn't the same as in other sports because we're trusting each other with our lives sometimes. You know, when I'm sparring you, I'm trusting that you're not going to hit me as hard as you can because that's going to knock me out. And I have a finite number of brain cells, you know, and you're trusting that I'm going to do the same thing to you. And, you know, that creates an in, instant trust. And when you have instant trust, you know, it's just so easy to build a friendship based on trust. You know, who would have thunk it? Um like I said, I can also comment on the fact that I train with my boyfriend. So I have sparred with him, like very full contact. We roll together all the time in jiu-jitsu. And, it, you know, it's it's very difficult to explain why that would be a healthy thing to do. But because, you know, and it doesn't solve everything, but there's something that's pretty nice about just being able to give him a good whack sometimes if I really, really need to. But again... If I really think about it, I just, you know, he's the person that I trust most in the world. And the fact that, you know, the fact of that means that I know that he can push me as hard as he needs to when I've got a fight coming up. Um, yeah, it's just something very, very special about that. Same thing, you know, growing up training with my mum. When I was pissed off with her when I was like 16, we would then have to go into sparring together. And so you just put it. You just put shit aside, I think, is the other part of it. You just learn that, like, it's easy to go, mm, that argument actually wasn't that important, let's put it to the side because we now have to train together. And when you do that, sometimes, I think afterwards, you're just like, oh, if I could put it to the side for training, maybe I can just put it to the side for keeps, and uh, it actually wasn't all that important. So, yeah, not only do I think that you build amazing relationships with the people you meet through training, when people that you already know, you train with them, your relationships just get so much stronger. And I guess one part of that might be due to oxytocin, which is a chemical that's released in the brain. I'm going to do an episode on brain chemicals, so that'll be fun. Um, but, yeah, oxytocin chemical in the brain that is released from cuddling, it's like called the cuddle hormone. It's a bonding hormone. So it's a when when there's oxytocin present, that's what makes like mums fall in love with their babies. It's a chemical thing. You might think it's because it's the most beautiful baby in the world, but honey, you had no choice. Um, and dads, dads get oxytocin too. It's you know it's the reason why 
after you have sex, you want to cuddle. Uh, it's because there's all this oxytocin around from like physical contact. And you can get it from even cuddling with your pets. And that's why sometimes cuddling your pets makes you feel happy because you get oxytocin. When you do martial arts, you're in each other's faces. Like it's full contact. When you're doing jujitsu, you have like 17 points where your bodies are touching each other. When you're clinching, you know, you're practically hugging in, in kickboxing. When you're holding pads even, you know, there's just so much contact. So I'm recording this during COVID and that's the reason why martial arts are probably going to be the last thing to go back. But yeah, all that contact, it's a lot of oxytocin, which means a lot of love and you build really special relationships and means you end up being a happier person. Then the next part, so we've got P-E-R, now we are at M, so M is for meaning. So one of the quotes in this study said that experiencing life as meaningful seems to be a major component of human well-being and a major source of motivation for human action. Another quote said, when individuals talk of finding meaning in their lives, they seek to interpret their own actions and experiences in terms of an existentially meaningful life story that depict actions and decisions as following from important, stable values and contributing to the fulfillment of one or more crucial goals, which essentially means we like to be doing things for a reason. You know, people who get up and go to work every day just to make money, and then if they're not using that money for something meaningful, they find that they don't have purpose and they become lost. You know, people will often say and cite, and there are really good TED Talks on this, I might chuck it in the show, show notes, actually. I'll just chuck stuff in the show notes because I have a podcast now. Um, you know, if you if you search for meaning instead of just trying to be happy, you will find that you end up happier because humans just existentially feel like they're in crisis if they don't have meaning. We need to feel like what we're doing makes a difference. Otherwise, we end up being unhappy. Meaning has been found, um, cited in this study, to be very important as a predictor of whether or not you're likely to commit suicide. And you're much less likely to have suicidal thoughts if you feel like your life has meaning. And again, some of these things seem obvious, but we need to actually do the studies and and look to them to find out if, if they're actually true. That's good science. I think there's loads of examples of where people find meaning in martial arts. So, for instance, there's a philosopher named Kevin Crean, who's also a martial artist, who was quoted saying, my martial arts training has played a key role in my conception of who I am, what my goals are, and what I expect to accomplish. This is also true for many of those who I train with. People like us find the study of martial arts so rewarding and meaningful. It was a woman, Sharon Guthrie, in this study who interviewed 30 women practicing Sido karate at Thousand Waves, which is a feminist martial arts dojo. And she found that women's self-concept is profoundly altered when physically empowering activities such as the martial arts are practiced. And she found that healing from incest, rape, and other forms of violence is facilitated by martial arts and self-defense training. In another another study with women, this time with women with depression, 
um, a woman, Simone Fuliger, she asked women which leisure activities they use to experience a different sense of self, and eight of the women specifically referred to martial arts. So she said that the recovery practices adopted by these women were significant not because of the activities themselves, but in terms of the meanings they attributed to their emerging identities. So, you know, like I say, people don't have meaning and they feel lost and it's very difficult to be happy. And, you know, it might not always be possible for you to find meaning within your career. You know, you might have bills, you might have inherited family members that are very sick that you need to pay for to look after. And of course, that that's going to give you some kind of a sense of meaning. But essentially what I mean is it's not possible for everyone to find meaning in their career. Sometimes you end up in a job that just has to pay the bills. And the really cool thing is that that doesn't have to be the centre of what you put meaning on. So for some people, the fact that they're training martial arts, you know, two times a week, three, four, five, seven times a week, that can become the source of meaning in their lives. The fact that they're training for something, they're training to compete, you know, they're training to be better than they were yesterday. They're training to help other people get better and compete. All of those things can add meaning to people's lives when they otherwise wouldn't be able to find it just just through their career or you know the traditional western way that we find meaning through a career and for me I can definitely say that you know there have been many times where my primary goals have been centered around martial arts you know when I have fights coming up when I'm going on holidays specifically to train martial arts when I was getting ready for my black belt in karate you know, that was the main source of meaning in my life that was the main thing that I was working towards that was the reason that I got up every day and I was significantly happier for it because I was focusing on goals you know I started this podcast because I believe that martial arts is my purpose it's where I find meaning and you know I'm definitely not alone uh, in that so if you find that you know, you're struggling with meaning, with having meaning in your life, or even, even if you have some meaning, but you just want to have more meaningful things, you know, it doesn't have to be just one thing. I think that incorporating martial arts is a profound way to include more meaning in your life and therefore be happier and have more well-being. And lucky last, the last part of the PERMA model is accomplishment. So Martin Seligman said, many people are motivated to achieve, to have mastery to have competence, even if it brings no positive emotion, no engagement, no relationships, and no meaning. Which, you know, essentially, and this is backed up by another quote, saying, all other things being equal, a life with some achievements is more meaningful than one without any achievements. Which means, if you don't have happy thoughts, you know, if, if you don't feel engaged and enter into flow state, you don't have meaningful relationships, you don't feel like your life has any meaning, but you're getting gold stars, you're at least going to be happier than the person who's not getting gold stars. I think you should try and strive for some of the other components as well, but, you know, one thing that's really, really easy because it's a quick fix is to, like, strive for little goals and achieve them. and. Obviously, that's cited as being the last of the ways that you can make yourself happier. In martial arts, I think this is very, very prevalent, but specifically within the study, 
I'll just read another one of the quotes. So martial arts provide a lifetime of opportunities for self-improvement. The study of a traditional martial art provides a framework in which to situate one's continual development as a human being. The emphasis on striving for perfection of both mind and body make the dojo, which is the training place, an ideal place to continue to recreate ourselves by going beyond our current understanding and abilities. In uh, a review of the literature on martial arts, there was a quote that said that um, unlike many dysfunctional homes, the training program provides consistent positive reinforcement for altruistic and focused behaviour. Out-of-control behaviour is quickly discouraged and, more importantly, acceptable behaviours are clearly presented and easy to follow. Belt testing, patches and special rewards combined with an encouraged milieu provide an antidote to negative family, community and school experiences. And there was another quite large study with 307 participants asking them about martial arts and found that participants were attracted by personal growth opportunities offered in martial arts training. So people like working towards belts. People like, you know, ticking off the things in the syllabus that they need to learn, learning new skills. It's very clear whether or not you're doing the right thing you know I think so many times in life it's hard to tell we're constantly being like am I doing the right thing am I moving in the right direction martial arts programs are typically very structured so you know um, if you're moving in the right direction and when you move in the right direction you get praised and so your brain's like oh yeah okay I get told that I'm good I like that Um, you know I think there are many ways to accomplish things in martial arts though like I guess it kind of sounds like I'm talking down on accomplishment as being a, a source of your happiness, but it's definitely one of mine. Um, you know, I'm stoked when I accomplish new things. It makes me so proud. So I don't think it's a bad thing to be searching for. I think it's important to note that there are lots of types of accomplishment. So it doesn't have to be winning competitions or getting new belts. You know, it can just be learning a new technique or actually attending you know sticking to a training schedule I think is huge for a lot of people and that you can feel a great sense of accomplishment if you can you know make a promise to train twice a week and then train twice a week is I think you know a really big deal and then even helping somebody else accomplish a goal you know you get to share in some of that glory as well so there are definitely lots of ways to accomplish things in martial arts and that being the last part of the model that's you know, another way that you can make yourself happy. So if you want to be happy, you want to regularly have positive thoughts, spend as much time as you can in a flow state. Um, You want to have good relationships. You want to try and find meaning and you want to accomplish things along the way. And what we've talked about today is how that relates into martial arts. If you want more information, like I said, go to that study if you want to but Loki I feel like I have explained it better than it does and you know reading studies is kind of boring and also you know you got all my fancy lovely insights so martial arts makes you happy and that's some of the science behind why it might make you happy so tune in next time when we talk more about the role of martial arts in mental health